I'm D-Pay, and KT would win it in a shoulder war. Everybody, welcome to episode 65 of Tactical Crouch, a competitive Overwatch podcast that uh, normally does a pretty good job at staying on topic, which is why most people least listen to the show. So thanks for doing that. Uh, coming, <laughs> coming to you from the recently lit Studio 11 Pro Max. I'm Kick Tripod, of course. Volamel and Yiska with me, but we do have a an excellent guest this week. Uh, really excited. He's been on the show before. Coming at us though with a new role. General manager and head coach for the LA Gladiators. David Depay Pay. Depay, welcome back to the show. You're looking great. And uh, uh well, yeah, we'll give you the applause. Why not? There it is. Welcome to the show, man. Thanks for coming back with us. I like the jersey, by the way. Yeah, I actually really like this jersey, but uh thanks for having me on the show. I always uh love coming on. You guys are great hosts, ask good questions too, so yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to hit you with the hard one right away because since yeah, we're talking God, about jerseys, races. Uh, so um, last last uh, season, I bought a jersey, and then you <laughs> you sniped my coach, and I was just wondering uh, if I can bill you for the refund and or at least like the reskin of my Curry Shot jersey. If I can, can get, I get a trade in? If I can get this in Gladiators, that would be great. <laughs> Uh, I'm pretty good at painting. Maybe I can just paint right. it uh, purple. Yeah. You ran out hand of characters down, for down. D paint instead of D pay. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. That's that's the only. That's actually in the whole document that we sent you. The questions we wanted to ask you. That was my only contribution. Is got it. <laughs> do, do I do I build the gladiators for a refund? You directly. <laughs> Like, I don't know, Curry Shot won't answer my voicemails anymore. So <laughs> anymore. Well, it's, uh... well, I think you got to build the dogs. Because when I talked to Curry, he was like, okay, so I have one, basically one requirement for a new coaching position. I need to be able to take my dogs with me. That's just all he said. And I don't think he was joking. <laughs> I wouldn't be. Yeah, it's <laughs> of course, you got to take your dogs with you. Uh, Yeah. All right. The dogs are going to be hard with uh, travel next year for sure. Yeah. Oh, I he's going to like travel, yeah. travel with him. Like dogs are going to China. No, the the dogs are not coming. I don't think. I don't I think we're paying. Like, no, no. I'm saying it, it might be hard to have dogs. Yeah. I talked to him about it because he was like, "Can I have dogs at the apartment?" And I was like, "Sure." Uh, it just might be hard with travel next year. Is all. Yeah, that makes sense. Fair enough. Well. Deepay, thanks again for being here. Uh, we've got an incredible show for you, but before we do, we do have a few pieces of um, just housekeeping we want to clear up. The uh, show is 100% supported by our patrons, so if you like the show and want to support the show, the best way to do it is go to patreon.com slash tacticalcrouch. We really appreciate all the support. We had some awesome uh, people up their pledges in the last couple weeks. Uh, we had a, a, a brand new patron producer come on and that means the world to us. It helps us uh, just, uh, you know, continue to invest in better audio quality, video quality. Uh, <laughs> I have a lot of networking issues in this new apartment, and the patrons have been able to help us uh, handle that. So uh, if you like the show, again, patreon.com slash tactical crouch, and then twitter.com slash tactical underscore crouch if you like the show. 
go uh, follow us there. We post updates all the time. And also tweet us your questions and topics right to that Twitter as well. And, of course, just like right now, we record live 11 a.m. Pacific time on Tuesdays at twitch.tv slash kicktripod. Uh, of course, with the show, you can find it everywhere. YouTube, Twitter, or not Twitter, I guess Twitter, uh, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcast. It is everywhere. But let's go ahead and get to the bulk of it with DPay. And this interview is brought to you by our Patreon patrons, studio producers. We were going to work on that name, by the way. Uh, Battle Crab, Made, Pin, Lulshin, and Charlie L. Thank you so much for supporting the show. This segment is because of you. All right, Deepay. I got a bone to pick. So it's uh it's around October uh, no, it's January 2019. Uh we we just finished wrapping up our power rankings and we put um the LA Gladiators at number 4 and 5 respectively and you send me a message in Discord and yes, I'm disclosing our private Discord messages on the public podcast. And you're like, and you even tweeted out about it afterwards, kind of like tempering expectations a little bit about the Gladiators 2019 season because we had them very high. We had them, Joe and Yiska had them at four out of twenty. I had them at five out of twenty. You're like, hey, like let's, I don't know, fan the brakes a little bit or something. Uh, we we've got a great team this year, but top five is pretty high. You finished top five, so I want to know. What the f man? What, why are you trying to mislead me here? I mean, I think it's always just good to temper expectations for my own team, you know? <laughs> Dallas can have the highest expectations they, they want, you know, but for my team, it's always good to make sure that, you know, the players don't get too too high on themselves or, like, uh, the expectations of the team. I think that's that's, like, a big thing for me is to always stay humble. But, I mean... From a clear like power perspective, I think where where you guys put them at made sense. Uh, our players are really really talented. Uh, I think it was it was like roughly pretty decent metas for us. Maybe not perfect ones, but uh, good enough metas for us. So uh, I, I think you know it, it makes sense that we ended up where we ended up. Uh, could have been a lot worse. Could have been maybe a little bit better. Uh, but you know who knows really. So what you yeah. what I heard you saying there is that. <clears throat> When we rate the gladiators high, they it goes immediately to their head. They're like, kick tripod says that we're top five. Let's go. They're getting their kick tripod tactical crouch jerseys on. They're, you know, going to the clubs, getting bottles. Yeah, nobody service. buys jerseys based on 45 minutes of content. Really? I, are you that just sure? <laughs> we can make that tactical crouch jersey happen. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, that that's fair, though. I get it. I yeah, I think it. a big thing. Oh, sorry. No, continue. Yeah, I think a big thing for me is like, especially the hype like Decay and Roar had coming yeah. in. Uh, I, I wanted to make sure that like this guy was seen as like the Messiah of like the second coming of Jesus, basically. Mm. Uh, and like, I think it was really unfair to him. Like, I, I really do. Like, I think I said mm. this on the show last time. He's he's just an eighteen year old kid who's coming over from Korea. He like, uh, he's got a lot of talent. He's a really good player, but. You know, it, it's unfair to him to that like he's going to save us and like put us in like the top one and two type of thing. Like that's a lot of pressure on him. I never really wanted to put that pressure on Decay or Roar that you know we have to be number one. We got you guys because we're number one. It's like we, we think you're you're good players and we we want to have you right. Like uh, that was a big thing for me too to kind of mm -hmm. echo that that philosophy. 
Yeah, that, that would have been my question. And of course, like the last season wasn't exactly the season where a DPS player could show or prove themselves that much. Mm-hmm. Um, considering that, I think he had still very serviceable um, performances. So uh, definitely also was a contributive factor to where you ended. Um, but yeah, that's it is. Uh, uh, it, okay, the problem here is if we don't do that, right? And I feel like this this season, it's more so the fact than last season. Because last season, we had the Decay hype. This season, it only feels like people are excited about Sparkle. And then they maybe know Mac, and they maybe know Lee Jae Gong. Yeah. Like, Mac is not even in Overwatch League. It doesn't feel like a lot of the players, especially someone like Glista, is really being welcomed with a appropriate... Yeah. Uh, like hype into it yeah. and um yeah i don't know if that's a problem of um of media or if it's a problem of uh just general disconnect because it's consistently amazing to me what is the story in korea and what is the story in the west and how there seems to be a membrane and it's like is that an english word semi-permeable where it yeah. only goes in one direction where the Western uh, stories usually reach Korea. The Korean stories don't reach us. And um, maybe we're missing a couple of those connectors. But yeah, it's certainly uh, interesting to see that other than Sparkle, this season really there hasn't been that much hype around these players, even though we got some amazing plays coming in. Mm. I think it's really hard because like when there's 20 teams, it's just like a lot of people, right? Like uh, when there were the original 12, it's it's a lot easier to keep track. Like each team has a clear identity. Like once you start going to 20, maybe like 28 mm. or whatever, it's it's just a lot of people. So I think it's just hard for the fans to keep track of all these guys, right? Like you have like the, the most heralded guys are like the Shock, the, the Spitfire guys. You guys know them because they're the world champions, right? Like uh, those are just household names basically. So... Uh, it's hard to keep track of every every upcoming rookie in the draft, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I, I do want to talk a little bit because, uh, as I alluded to earlier, you are coming to us with a little bit different role than you were in last year. So, mm-hmm. and it's it seems like it's been quite a journey for you. You transitioned into an official GM slash head coach position. Uh, you had a, on September 17th, you tweeted about you were actually looking for teams October 1st you I, I know I've gone I've stalked you on Twitter and actually not I our patrons have stalked you on Twitter uh, and on October 1st you were talking about how challenging it was being in this kind of limbo phase of where am I going when can I start doing my job and then on October 11th I believe is when you announced that you were coming on in, in your new role can you tell us a little bit more about the process uh, that happened from going from September 17th of LFT to October, I believe October 11th being GM slash head coach? Yeah. Um, I think there was just like a lot of uncertainty with the management change. Uh, there wasn't a lot of great communication. And I think basically there was, uh, it, it was just hard because there was a lot of things going on from the Gladiator side, right? Uh, the KSE and the Sentinel side. And uh, I don't know, like, the details about that. I really don't know and uh, personally don't care. Like, it's it's none of my business. And, uh, yeah, that's just, like, a company dispute. And sure. so uh, I, I think that was, like, a worrying thing for me. Uh, but also just going into free agency again as as a coach was, was kind of 
uh, worrying just because like there were teams I talked to, but there were teams I talked to also where it felt like I wasn't seriously interviewed. So uh, like they already had a candidate they they were backed by for like the managerial side or, or something mm-hmm. else. So like it was a very like stressful time. I guess it's just, you know, uh, I felt like I put a lot of work into the league and a, a lot of work into my craft and uh, it wasn't being like reciprocated, I guess, both from uh, the current org side, which was just busy, right? Like these are things I understand, but it was just a hard time for me, like individually uh, looking for a job. And so uh it was a time where i was i was just chilling but you you know how it is when you're you're looking for a job it's just mm-hmm. not a great time you're you're in permanent limbo you're prepping for the interviews uh yeah cft so. wasn't even out yet so you didn't even have like any career <laughs> alternatives like you had nothing <laughs> like, I? I get it i understand now that tft yeah. you're like ah i'm floating through uh um yeah well actually tft was out why am i thinking yeah it was, last it was year? yeah never mind well, I remember I was, that. That's when I grinded. I grinded the most. That, grinded. Yeah, that's Fair that's when enough. I got got up yeah, to challenge. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's really cool. I, I I would love to know more about how the concept was introduced. Of like, you know what, uh, David, let's go with you as a GM plus coach. Like, how did how did it go from head coach position to GM plus head coach? Like, where did those conversations kind of happen? How did you become the president of gaming? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. How did you invent yeah, just... esports? <laughs> uh, so, once upon a time, no. Uh, <laughs> I think that uh, it. I had a, like a clear vision in terms of like what I thought the best structure was. Uh, it's funny that we're not actually at what I think the best structure is, but I think it's the best structure going into this next season. Uh, last year, I was actually telling my uh, management, I said, I think I need a general manager. Like, I need someone to uh, take the take the weight off from me from, like, scouting and uh, watching contenders, stuff like that. It's, it's hard for me to do, watch all the OWL games and then, like, try to keep a pulse on contenders, right? So for scouting purposes, I was like, this is something really good. And then uh, someone to give us, like, some amount of oversight because our management was super hands-off. Like, I would organize the meetings for uh bi-weekly staff meetings uh like quarterly reviews stuff like that uh so it was like very hands-off and i felt like i was doing a lot of that stuff uh which was fine right like uh but i felt like in the future it's better if a head coach and general manager are split up just like in traditional sports Mm. uh going into this season i think esports is very nascent where like you can't actually find what I think is a competent general manager. Like I think a lot of the general managers now are what are considered like team managers mm-hmm. uh, in a lot of ways. Like where does their expertise in Overwatch come from? Uh, truly and honestly, it doesn't come from anything. Like a lot of the general managers are like kind of information gatherers, uh, and then they they go from there, and then they go off hearsay, right? Like they they don't know what it means to make a a team, right? Like, uh, and I'm not saying I'm like perfect at it, but I think. Uh, making that have one strong direction from a coaching standpoint and then from a general manager position is really good. Like I know exactly what I want in a player long-term. I know what uh, I want in a player short-term as a coach, like Mm -hmm. what I need for flexibility sake. So uh, I'm able to view it from like a a very dynamic scope, I think. Uh, So it's weird because I'm checking and balancing myself uh, a lot of the times, like uh, because the, the decisions need to make sense from all perspectives, right? Like that's why I'm really in, in touch with my coaching staff and really in touch with my management as well to make sure like, does this make sense? Right? Like they are my, they are my guards and oversight. And a lot of the times, like I, I want to get approval from these guys from 
that standpoint. And uh, I, I think also going back to like uh, esports, it's usually that the head coach picks the entire roster, right, and has full roster control. That's pretty much the the main responsibility that I have as this general manager. It's more on the traditional side. Whereas mm-hmm. we have Brenda uh, who came from Guangzhou. She she's dealing with all the operational side, right? Like. Okay. Uh, and we have Andrew, who's our team manager, who's dealing with the day-to-day stuff, right? I, I actually, in terms of management, don't have much more responsibility than uh, a very powerful head coach, uh, if if that makes sense. Because some yeah. teams, like, Krusty is, like, in, in all intents and purposes, I feel like the general manager and the head coach of that team, mm-hmm. right? He's a strong leader. He chooses the roster. He knows exactly what he wants. But he also probably has oversight with Chris, with... Uh, who is their GM and their other coaches and uh, you know, their ownership group. Like he has mm-hmm. to talk to those guys. I think it's like pretty similar in that regard. Uh, so I think a lot of people are confused when they're like, it, David's organizing the travel. David's doing all, all this stuff. Like really, I, I made sure that the support system around me would make it so that I could function as more solely like focused on the team itself and mm-hmm. practice itself. If that makes sense. No, totally. And that was a, that was a big worry for me when I hear, uh-huh. okay, you know, you are one man and you're given two very, very large jobs. I'm like, yeah. I, this is a her- Herculean task. Like, this is tough for anybody, let alone somebody who has experience in the league, which is which is fantastic. And, and that's very, very good. But those are two big jobs. But to hear it kind of be decompartmentalized, which is 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 refreshing to hear. I'm glad that, you know, that's that's been taken care of. And, you know, gives me a little bit more more faith and uh, not not to say that i didn't have any faith in you in particular but <laughs> that's that's hard for anybody right like that's that those are two very very large jobs and and maybe it's it's my uh my misunderstanding of what, what a gm necessarily is but it's, it sounds like things are, are being taken care of so i guess i'd check that off my list i mean it, it is a pretty ambiguous term in the overwatch league if we're being honest right yeah. Like yeah. some people are almost strictly business focused and some people are just like very much, as you said, like a team manager, basically, right? Uh-huh. Like the difference between, let's say, someone like Tasmo and then someone like Kate Mitchell was, for instance, I think okay. there's a, a large difference. And then there are guys that, who are probably in between. I think someone like Mark Schwartz would be uh, that for the LA Valiant. Um, but yeah, in your general manager position do you for instance also choose i don't know the content team or is that no yeah absolutely not uh that's a really good question really i i control everything from like the the coaching staff down and then besides that it's it's really different departments right uh like operation side is is brenda and she like will get us housing she'll get us food uh travel like she'll get all that sorted out from a systematic and a structural standpoint and then we have ryan on the other side who's on the marketing side and he'll deal with sponsorships uh Mm -hmm. content creation and he he heads everything on that side so i think we have a pretty good breakdown in terms of like i'm the competitive team uh brenda's operations we have we have marketing and uh sponsorships and stuff like that so i think the delineation is clear uh for for sure um so who decided whose call is it uh for the uh for gladiators legion was that a business call or was that your call yeah so who who we have at like the the top of the chain is alex uh really above him is is mike neary uh but uh alex is the one who who really is the big communicator and uh, rallies us all in and uh he's the 
more or less like the final sign off unless it's like a huge thing like uh housing or something like that uh he and mike had a conversations and I, I kind of was like more of an information gatherer for that like i'm like here here's the pros here's the cons uh this is kind of like where i see it uh and and they made the final decision uh i can't say it's like unreasonable i think it's it's like very reasonable uh for uh, from a business perspective like sure. uh, if they're looking at it from a, a fiscal standpoint it it really doesn't make you money uh you're only losing money like uh, a big idea too i think that is more important is that we want to do one thing well is kind of the overwhelming like uh direction we want to do like mm. instead of having like okay we're gonna have an academy team we're we're not gonna like do it great though or, or like the the resources towards it like we're not going to be able to dedicate enough resources towards it like are we going to have a scuff situation where it's basically disconnected like it has been the last two years uh like w we would rather do one thing really well especially going into the league where you know you having an academy team is really helpful uh but it's not necessary to have success in the overwatch league right uh shock really didn't have yeah. an academy team Thank going you. into the next year vancouver like sure. uh Spitfire, spitfire doesn't really utilize theirs right like nixel definitely doesn't utilize theirs uh mm. or well now it's gone but uh yeah you you don't need to be successful doing that but it is one more tool and we just felt like we'd rather do the one thing well focus on the overwatch league itself the overwatch league team itself and i think that makes a lot of sense because anytime my attention is grabbed towards contenders uh it really is a pain in the butt like i have to learn the landscape i'm like what the hell is this meta on junker town mm -hmm. like uh the map pool is sometimes different like the patch like at least in season one the patch was different a lot of the time uh they've done a better job of syncing it up like uh it takes a lot of resources to like especially if we want to develop talent like from a coaching perspective like uh we would have to put in a lot more resources and a lot of time when really in my opinion like focusing on the overwatch league team gets you higher value um so I, I see decisions both way like i would love to have an academy team if we had infinite money but uh you know other people are making decisions it makes sense it's hard to argue uh mm. for sure but yeah totally i hope john doesn't mind me tagging on a question that wasn't necessarily like the chronological order how we <laughs> hint them but you know me hey down the list please thank you <laughs> no but <laughs> It, it makes sense to talk here about the fact that currently I think you have nine signed players. Mm -hmm. Now, here's like, of course, the the um, the academy argument makes sense that like you don't necessarily need a practice partner, especially if you have twelve players that where you can have two teams that just scrimming against each other, maybe practice some defaults or whatever against each other. Of course, at best, you have a team that also, like we hear, heard last uh, last week, Sefi talk about just having a team that actually can play at a level that challenges your main team or, in his case, sometimes beats it, um, is um, is a thing. So do can we then expect to either have more players come into the Gladiators or are you going to have any practice partnerships that would, you know, so kind of solve that problem that way yeah that's a really good question so uh we're definitely gonna get we have a 10th player it's just like going through some legal work and it's a dps mm -hmm. player because uh like we we just want to make sure we fill in all the gaps for subs and for just general flexibility i think the dps position is like really like a position where flexibility matters a lot and yeah. you go into metas where you're suddenly on these niche heroes like may reaper like you could be on somber like you could have uh, a lot of flexibility so 
uh, we're we're having an addition there. But from the internal Scrum standpoint, yeah, I, I think that that's something really important going into next year. I, I don't know what Brad's talked about, but uh, like, for example, when we Scrum Legion, Legion wasn't even a bad contenders team. Like in the scheme of things, they were in the upper half, generally speaking, in terms of skill, right? Uh, they have good players. Uh, but whenever we Scrum them, it really wasn't, super valuable i will mm. say like uh it was like scrimming a bottom bottom tier owl team which we tried to avoid and so those scrims weren't super useful so i think going into this year we have like a very solid uh 10-man lineup where i feel like people really can challenge each other for the spots right like uh and i think the use of internal scrims there is going to be really really valuable and then it also makes it so that uh you're your bench players, right? Like your players who aren't playing in that particular meta are able to get playtime. They're able to feel invested in the team. Uh, and then they're able to, like, they, they already know, understand the strategy you're working towards. If if we know, like, we're prepping against Chengdu or something like that, we can be like, okay, hey, we're going to play Bastion on Duponi point A defense because that's sure. what Chengdu did on 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 their match, right? Like, uh, we'll have guys who, who know immediately, whereas with legion or something we would have to like disseminate that information uh mm. and it has to be clearly explained because they're not looking at al like why would they care about our match against Chengdu? they're not up to date on like every little thing uh i think we're able to get really good practice with internal scrims uh with kind of our our 10-man roster and uh the reason we have it at 10 is because we're, we're allowing for flexibility in the future uh for mm. pickups isn't that okay that's two questions one <laughs> great all right. yeah. isn't how do you like is our coaches then playing to fill up, uh, up these two spots yeah i think is that how ringers are gonna be uh i, I know shock did this as well they kind of grabbed sleepy they grabbed pooks they gra grabbed telom halo they they grabbed uh, other people who were willing to do that i think we'll do something very similar where uh it's people we trust it's people who we think are can perform at a high level and it also serves as a mini scout right like if you're yeah. interested in a player you're like okay, let's see how he's developed over time. Uh, so it allows for kind of flexibility that way. Uh, and maybe that person like isn't as good in, in another meta. You can swap them out so your ringers are higher quality as well. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think it overall works out really well. Uh, but, you know, we'll see in practice, but it's it's got to be better than like uh, playing against your contenders team most of the time, I will say. Unless your contenders team is top tier, uh, there's you shouldn't get that much value from your contenders team where's my right. ringer and, invite is what i want to know <laughs> I can, yeah you guys laughed way too hard at that joe <laughs> they played overwatch with me before they're like yeah <laughs> all right yiska your fault your other one sorry well, yeah one one question and i'm going to shut, shut up but um there's one theory that i had is that this season it would be much more important for teams to build a functioning roster before this season simply because it depends on the travel schedule for the team, certainly. I think it's less of an issue, of course, for someone like Washington, who doesn't have to travel as much, and therefore also doesn't have to get as many visas. So with the visa jungle I'm already expecting, despite even for people that are currently already signed, are you not concerned that mid-season pickups will be very hard to get online um, on the road, just yeah. like for the different spots? That's a very good concern. Uh, it's something that we thought about as well. Uh, really, our big international trip uh, in the seasons are there's an Asia leg of the trip and then there's a European part of the trip. So that encompasses about, like, let's say, eight, seven to like 10 games or something like that. Uh, our Asia leg of the trip, which is a majority of it, is 
uh, early in the season. So that's where I imagine mm-hmm. you would you would less deal with like problems of fatigue, injury, stuff like that. So, sure. uh, and then you also get to find out like what is going on with my team, what is my team dynamic. So from that point on, we're mostly in the U.S. and mostly in easy visa uh, situations where. If you're a Western citizen, like uh, you can get a U.S. visa easier. You can get a uh, EU visa like fairly easily. So that's something that we plan for. And if our Asia leg of the trip was smack in the middle of the season, maybe we would reconsider and be like, okay, hey, this is a big issue. But uh, it really is kind of random because let's say uh, you got a Korean talent, no matter what, then then we're screwed that way because you know they have to get a U.S. visa. It's it takes just as long. But if we get an American citizen uh, player, then no problem at all. Yeah. So uh, I think our team is moving uh, m- like our direction of our team is an English speaking team or a Western team. Uh, and so that that's the hope is that, you know, our pickup would be Western uh, or someone who speaks English really well. So it does, doesn't necessarily cross off people from Korea, China, whatever. Uh, but, you know, likelihood wise, we would pick up someone from the U.S. Uh, or Western. So on top of, you know, traveling and, and scrimming, this kind of ties into something that I've been very interested in and, you know, seeing how you're kind of the the head of, you know, the team in in many facets, you know, whether it be general manager, coaching, you know, scrimming, scouting, you know, you have a lot of, you know, a lot of things on your plate. It sounds like we're, we're leaning towards, you know, some internal things, but within regards to traveling, you know, it can't all just be in-house. So how how are you approaching practice on the road? Is that something that you guys have thought about quite a lot? Is there anything that you're adding on to the structure? Is there anything that you might be changing from last season um, just in terms of the way that you look at things? Is it going to be more theoretical? Is it going to be more just like comfort style of, of picking? Like wh- what what's kind of changing for you with with how things are going on the road? I think, yeah. So our, our day to day on the road, uh, I, I have like a big bigger plan of like how we approach sure. travel, like when we would travel out, like how much practice I think we can get, how we can optimize practice. But from like a day-to-day standpoint, I think we're really going to have to feel it out during the season. Mm. We we have like a good idea of like, hey, the day after we get off a plane is probably like going to be shitty scrims. It's just going to be bad scrims. Like there's no way about it. Like we, we shouldn't be harsh on the players about it if sure. they're like a little tired or anything like that. We're probably tired too as coaches. Uh, another thing is like, how are we utilizing like flights, right? Like for us coaches, we want to get gaming laptops. That mean, maybe means we can look at VODs on flights and stuff like sure. that in general, like uh, how we plan around getting the best practice area. I think like on our team, it's going to be a thing where I'm just going to say practice is sacred and we have to make sure that practice uh, not only is is sacred from like a mental standpoint, but also that we get all the proper equipment too. that, that we're in the best practice areas possible. We're not just in some random PC bong and like uh, we got random customers like coming sure. over and like <laughs> stuff like that. We have to make sure that wherever we practice, it's, it's going to be good. Uh, so I think a lot of those things we're going to figure out during the season and our general practice structure is going to change a lot, mm-hmm. but uh, for LA, like I, I know exactly what it's going to be. Uh, it, but you know, when you travel, hopefully you can emulate that across because mm-hmm. that's good practice. If, if you can do it one place, you can do it every place. So uh, we'll definitely, you know, but, I think it's important to recognize that we don't know what we're doing yet. Like truly sure. and honestly, like we have to accept the fact that we can plan all we want, but the reality is going to be a lot different. So we have to remain flexible. And I think that's a big thing going into this year. 
one quick one before we move on. Um, one kind of topic on the the outside of the Overwatch League has been focused around the the consolidation of talent within LA, and now with 2020 kind of you know right around the corner being next month, um, that goes away. Do you think there's going to be more stratification in terms of teams because they're not going to be all condensed practicing amongst each other, scrimming? You know, you talk about you know teams ringing for you know pulling from contenders, being able to to really operate just solely out of one city, and now they're going to be all over the place. Do you think that's going to? Do you think teams are going to start to pull away? Do you think they're going to drop down? Mm. Do you have any any thoughts around that? Yeah, I actually think uh, it might be a lot close. It's going to feel a lot more random this year. Okay. Uh, I think a shock perfect stage will not exist. Uh, I think clip it just. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I think it's going to be hard just because the quality of practice that you're getting, like I, I did the math and you're just getting way less practice than usual, just because a lot of that time is budgeted for traveling, right? Like sure. uh, that you can't get as refined of a meta. You can't get as uh, like refined practice. People won't consolidate to a certain meta. I, I like, you know, I think if you're in Asia and, there's going to be a different meta in Asia at week one to week three than there is going to be in North America West, uh, you know, uh, because there's just going to be different metas being formed at these different places. So interesting. I think it's going to feel uh, really random. And like, mm. I think for the fans, maybe exciting for coaches, terrifying because <laughs> every team's going to be Chengdu. Like we're, yeah. we're not going to know That's what people are throwing fans. out. Every, everyone has a different read, right? Like mm-hmm. I think you see this in international tournaments as well, like yeah. uh, across the board, like whether it's league of legends, whether it's overwatch uh, with the gauntlet or like the Atlantic showdown, people are saying, wow, this team plays so much differently. And we weren't prepared for that. Right. Like, uh so i think we're gonna see a lot more of that type of thing where it's just gonna be i I don't know if certain teams will pull away but i think initially like it'll seem a lot more random and maybe teams will pull away after as you see like you know their individual skill like individual skill is going to be a big thing next year just because if you have less practice it just means you rely less on teamwork you rely more on your individual prowess uh but also maybe your infrastructure is better. Like you just get the best practice out of everyone and you thought it out better. Uh, so you're able to like pull away a little bit more than mm. teams who, you know, don't didn't think about it as well. So uh, sure. I think it's going to seem random at the beginning. I wouldn't be surprised to see the league just like the power rankings are just screwed. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, though. I don't know if you know, but this okay. show is pretty good at power rankings. Like I, I just, we're, we're oh, pretty Jesus good. Christ, here we go. <laughs> it's one of the how, few how things I'm proud of you guys? on the show. I think overall, Joe we was finished, very accurate. Joe finished second. Yiska was like fifth, and I was like tenth. Mm. Out of like, yeah, I hated Chungu. Like thirty-five ish. <laughs> uh, thing we did pretty, we we did pretty good collectively and individually. So challenge accepted, sir. <laughs> Uh, and that's that's what, that's without you pecking my so. Discord DMs telling me to rate people <laughs> higher or lower. So yeah, um, I, I, I will say yeah, this year will be so much oh, harder. Yeah. Like you you got to you really just got to weave through the practice schedules. You got to map out when the patches come. Um, you got to you know all these things could consider inherent skill. How much do we have? trust that management stuff to have these practice environments ready because yes, i think yes, that will be no this is mm-hmm. this is baseball man you go with your gut how this do they baseball. look how do they feel the this, is, this is why good. there is only like <laughs> three slots separating you who i guarantee put hours and hours and hours of more time into your power rankings 
Let me just, you know, I eyeballed it. It was like, ah. <laughs> nice. here we go. That, that seems all right. Gladiator's fifth. Eh, sounds good. And he nailed it. And he nailed it. Exactly fifth. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to do any better than that. I don't think Screw there's a you, better. I don't think there's a better illustration uh, than that. I mean, uh, nobody, none of us rated Chung Du higher than 15th, I believe. So, yeah, yeah. You could stop. <laughs> you made a stupid bet, but your actual yes, you rating was not yeah. actually that much different. So you can stop no, no. using that as a lifeboat. Uh, <laughs> let, let's talk about the 2020 roster. The 2020 LA Gladiators, third place in the Overwatch League, is what I'm saying right now. I'm just kidding. I don't know. I have I haven't done my power rankings yet. Um, you, we we kind of talked earlier about the the kind of I would say inopportune inopportune start to the season of mm-hmm. major management changes. Um kind of you know influx of like in the span of a month you go from lft to gm head coach uh is is how did all of that affect um trials because your team is outside of big goose and shaz your 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 team is a, a essentially a brand new uh gladiators roster for 2020 mm-hmm. uh, yeah i think yeah oh sorry oh sorry i was gonna say so so yeah so how did how did that late start? Are you like, how did that affect your your trials and and how you sign these players? Yeah, uh, I can tell you, it's not like I was doing work before ten twelve in terms of like I, I was I had like a short list of players that I was interested in, but there were things I didn't know about like the scene. Like, was OG tradable? Was space tradable? Like, I didn't even know if any of these things existed because it's awkward. Like as a head coach, just asking the, the GM of another team, like, Hey, what's going on with this player? And it's like, you have no authority. You're just a random, mm. random dude. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, pretty much right when I started, uh, I tried to hit the ground running. Uh, I actually was on a trip that I pre-planned to, to see some friends and I was just working uh, a lot at night and trying to get some deals through because we wanted some really big pieces. So it's really fortunate. I think that we, we, landed uh og and space so quickly i think like a big thing that uh alex i I have to give a lot of credit to alex uh alex and i did a good job of just like going fast and uh with a lot of these decisions because by this point like deals were like shoring up they were on like the the very tail end of things and we we come in last second right like because that's just the nature of me figuring out all the information and then me uh being able to like ask and uh, execute on these things. So uh, it was really, really hectic at the beginning, long nights uh, and very confusing. Like, you know, people are getting back to me within like 24 hours, their response could mm. change on like, is this person tradable? Yes, no. Like how much are we talking here? Like uh, it, it was a crazy start, uh, I will say. And like stuff that I like imagined a GM does, but like uh, it was it was much crazier at the time. So I think it's really good. Like Space and OG were guys I was looking at for a really long time. I'm really happy that they were they were like a I think core part of the roster. They're they're a core part mm-hmm. of our identity. I think um, OG is a guy who uh, I think you know he had some issues on Dallas, but like uh, to me the past is a past. Like mm-hmm. uh, o- OG is someone who's really communicative, really someone who like has a lot of mechanical skill, but also has a really high ceiling with his team. I think he, he's an exceptional teammate above all things. Like uh, you can talk to any of his teammates. They, they love playing with him uh, is a big thing. So uh, 
he just brings a lot of energy to the game and he's always like tryharding like like <laughs> uh right when he got into the house he's just like grinding rank like 12 hours a day and i'm like okay like i'm telling him to take breaks because i'm like it's the off season like this meta's we're not really sure like mm. you know maybe don't burn yourself out too much he actually did burn out a little bit from rank but it's not a big deal but he he's someone who like epitomizes the the new culture that i want to bring in and and mm. so does space like these guys are just absolute grinders uh is what i will say these guys put an extraordinary extraordinary time into the game like space is someone who i think like you look at him uh at the start of metas he looks very kind of you know average he looks like every other player in a lot sure. of ways and then he he really like knows how to master things is my thing like he if you look at his ranked history too like you just see like he is only playing diva he is only playing sigma he will just play that character to death he will know the ins and outs of it uh and like at the start when sigma wasn't really like he wasn't in playoffs right so he didn't have to practice sigma but mm. i know he was practicing for usa I, I was taking a look at a couple streams uh he looked very like eh, average and by the time world cup starts i'm like wow this this guy's doing a lot of really really good things like a lot of advanced things on sigma so uh, he's someone who I know just grinds the game, and that's how he gets better. And he he understands that too. He's not just playing the game like passively. You know, like he just wants to play ranked. He knows he's like, I'm gonna put in the time. I'm gonna become the best Sigma in the world. Like that, that's his mindset. So, uh, I think with these two guys, like, uh, it it just really filled out. Like, you know, people wanted to come play for the Gladiators from that point on. Like, it, they were very attractive, uh, like players to play with, and mm. it made it so that other people could sign on so uh from that point on i think we had like the core like what i would consider is a core of our team is just we have really solid tanks really solid supports like i'm already very 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 happy with the team uh and then from that point on uh i i think we we g could go a little bit slower and a little bit more methodical in terms of what are we actually looking for how can we optimize like uh these positions right like mm -hmm. and I, I feel really excited about all, all our players like literally all our players i think Cloudy is someone who we don't talk about, but I, I'm like excited if it ever becomes a two main tank meta. Like, uh, he he has a really good Ryan. Like, uh, he has a really good Ryan. He's he's flexible. Like, uh, he played ball all last season pretty much. Uh, I think you know he'll provide us a lot of flexibility. Bichu, I think, is someone who doesn't didn't get a lot of play time, but uh, I think is a really good player as well. And uh, he adds a lot to the team culture. I think in in ways that I don't even understand. Right, like I can see it, but I don't understand it fully. Like all the small mm -hmm. things he does. Uh, but he really like is a teammate where people love him on the team. People like playing with him. He's just like we, we got those types of guys where people love playing with them. Right, like mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's a big part of our identity going into this next season is we're going to be a team uh, no matter what. I, I want like the tightest knit team uh, possible because. Uh, I guess the reasoning behind our the rebuild in the first place is uh, like I felt like we lost last season because we weren't a team. I think the skill mm. was there. I think the strategy was there. Uh, I just think that at the end of the day, we couldn't learn fast enough because people didn't trust each other enough. And uh, there wasn't enough of like, hey, I got your back type of thing. It didn't feel like a team. So sure. I think that's where like I'd rather go like 12th this season. Uh, I don't really care. But if we're a team and people's got each other's backs, like I think that's so so important that uh, to like put you over the top eventually. Like, uh, so that's that's part of the culture that I want to bring. And I think all these guys top down are are really like that. Paintbrush too. Uh, you guys know Shaz and Goose. These guys are really great yeah. team players. So you uh, 
So, that's kind of our core identity. Sorry. You you had Bishu in in Overwatch League season one, and Curry mm -hmm. Shot had Bishu in Overwatch League season two. Was that at all a factor in bringing Bishu back? Yeah, I mean, we know exactly what type of value Bishu brings. We we think he, like Curry's really high on his individual skill. Uh, and like I've seen it too. Like whenever he's he's got to play, like I I think he's done really really well. So uh. I think there's just a question of like how much time and you know space is seemingly the starter now right like but i think healthy competition is always good and he adds a lot to the team like regardless of if he's playing or not i think he adds a lot to the team uh that's how i feel about literally all our players so that even if they're not playing like they'll always add value to the team in some way uh mm -hmm. whether they're a starter or not so uh that that's really important to me because you know, maybe Bishu's better in a particular meta than space. I have no problem playing the better player. Like, literally, and I think everyone on the team should have, has the same mentality. If someone is better for the team, you just play that player. Uh, there's no... I don't care what your initial impressions were. I don't care what your initial contract was. If someone's better, someone outperforms, that's that's the important part. So, uh, for all these players, I think they have a, a chance to step up. And uh, Yiska was asking about internal scrims, and I, I think that's, like, a really good way to foment the inner competition as well. That's like the the becoming a real team part is interesting to me especially uh, because of some of the players uh, that were involved or are involved and the obvious one to me and i'm i'm sure this is not just or let's say of course it's a rumor we don't have any you know in-house footage of players in fighting or whatever but it was um was sort of like an not really a secret uh, that the London Spitfire had some inter internal struggles mm -hmm. and Birdring used to also in some some ways be involved in that there were some let's say wrist injuries that occurred here and there uh are you at all concerned for him integrating into his first um hybrid roster and then also becoming part of that team structure at all with his history Mm -hmm. I feel really confident in Birdring, uh, personally. Like, uh, I think, like, from an individual skill level, I have nothing but confidence in him. He played in our trials, too. Uh, he's someone who probably doesn't even need to trial, to be honest, but uh, given his caliber of play, but mm -hmm. he trialed and it, like, basically at that point, we just need him to do okay. And, like, we're, like, convinced just because of his, his history, right? His body of work. Uh, but, he was an absolute nut in trials like you could especially uh his reaper i don't think people know how good his reaper is his reaper is like insane uh and then his widow too like i mean that's the hero he's known for but uh basically you could feel the pressure like i i was watching another widow play against him you could feel the pressure of of bird ring like that they were scared to peak but they didn't want to seem scared to peak and they knew they had to apply pressure on the, their widow or else it was free uh and then like the mercies talked about it, it's like okay anytime i shift it's it's like 50 50 i'm dead uh sure. uh playing against bird ring so i have nothing but uh confidence in his individual skill and then i think uh going on to london i think there's a lot of stuff in team environments where things slowly start to snowball and I, I like I did some research into it, and you know I I can't say 100% what happened in London. I I have mm -hmm. no idea, but I think it's a combination of you know the the championship lull. After you win the championship, you're a little bit more complacent. You already reached your goal. Like, is it really about the repeat? Uh, and I think that like kind of was contagious amongst the team, but also that they had high external pressure as well. Like their expectation was to win the next championship. Why mm -hmm. why wouldn't you win the next championship if you won? So sure. it's like very conflicting feelings, and I think. Uh, something with bird ring is uh, i think he's really motivated this season and 
what what's really great about him, I think, is a lot of Korean players don't want to be on English speaking teams. I think Bartering and OG2, uh, they especially see the value of English like long term, not just for their esports career, but just long term. They they see the value of English, and uh, you know, the, there are a lot of Korean players who want to play on Korean teams, and I totally understand that. I it, I have nothing against that. It's just hard to like recruit some of these types of players, and Bartering is definitely one of the guys who's like, yeah, I want to speak English. I want to get English lessons. Like, uh, he's. His English is actually really, really good. I'm like very surprised. It's probably just as good as say like Void's. Uh, Void is probably better at it, like talking, but uh, his understanding is actually pretty high uh, mm-hmm. from from my calls with him. So uh, I'm I'm really happy uh, with Birdring, and I'm really confident in him. Like uh, just just overall as a person and as a player, like I'm really confident that he'll be a good fit for the team. Now, staying within the roster, you know, you mentioned um, with the first question um, that you're bringing back the support line um, kind of tongue in cheek wise is are, are these your your franchise guys? Is this, you know, the face of the gladiators going into 2025? Like is a Shaz and Big Goose like that's the staple of, of the team in purple and white? Yeah, I mean, LA Hawkers, let's go at, at least at least if <laughs> you're, you know, you leading the charge. Uh, I mean, I really like working with Shaz and Goose. Uh, mm. They're they're really great guys to work with. I think uh, something that they always bring they, they bring the same level of play to practice no matter what. Like I have rarely seen an off day from them, if that makes mm. sense. From a mental standpoint, like it, it's very easy to be demotivated or like you know that week be tired or like you know there's other shit going on. They they understand like practice is practice. I'm gonna do my best. Like uh, it's literally never been an issue with them and. Uh, they're just really reasonable guys to work with. Like, uh, they they receive coaching really well. Oftentimes, like I put them lower on the list of like coaching priorities. Like, it's been a conscious decision on my part because there are other areas that I always think we need to shore up. And they sure. they learn like by themselves. They talk about it amongst themselves. So like, uh, but I think with more coaching, they they can like go higher. It's just where I need to triage where I think I'll get the the biggest value. But uh, mm-hmm. these guys are just you know, really spectacular players, like the best Western support duo, like by far, right? Like uh, no one else has, has credence to that title. And uh, we're a Western, like moving forward, we want to be a Western team, not a mixed team. Uh, I Mm. think last year, like, uh, you know, we talked about not being really a team. It's hard when it's completely mixed and we rely on translation. And once you have like three of each in a roster, it's, it's clear, like it's mixed. It's not, uh, even if like the subs and everything are, are, uh, English speaking, it is a mixed team uh, at its core. So uh, moving towards a more uh, Western leaning roster like Shaz and Big Goose are, are really important, uh, I think, because they're just top in class. Basically, they sure. they can compete on a championship level team. And I I have no problem saying that. So in, yeah. and, and learning talk, Korean as well. Right. And that's exactly what I wanted to bring up. Like last year, we, we, we talk about having that mixed roster and we saw a lot of content around Big Goose. So you can learn in Korean. And I'm sure Shaz was as well. Um, did you see that reciprocated in terms of not necessarily learning English, but did you see that um, was that a bridge over, you know, harsh waters? Did that kind of bring the team together? Was was there any kind of like warm feelings from the Korean players? That like, oh, OK, like you're you know, I'm trying, you're trying like we're, we're actually in this together. Did that kind of help remedy things? Because mm-hmm. it, it's all theoretical from the outside looking in like, oh, that sounds like really nice. Like yeah, the, the Korean players, we always hear about learning English, but we don't really see a lot of the English speaking players learning Korean. Did you see that, you know, uh, help anything at all? 
Yeah, I think if we were a truly mixed team going forward, that'd be really good. Like, I wanted to force okay. both Korean and English speaking lessons because sure. it also felt unfair. Uh, but given that we're like moving towards a Western roster, uh, I personally was going to take Korean lessons so that the players know like I'm trying. Uh, mm. This was the only person on our team who like he elected into it. It wasn't like a okay. mandatory thing. Uh, but I do think the players did like they like goose is a nice guy he's he's a really great teammate like he always has respect amongst the korean players whether he's learning korean or not right like yeah uh uh but i think it's a really nice like sentimental thing for sure hmm. just uh i don't think goose's korean is great but he, he like does try to like learn <laughs> he tries right it's harder if you're not immersed into the culture just truly hmm. and honestly like if you're on an english-speaking team you're going to learn english faster than if you're on a mixed team sure. uh because you're just forced to learn English more. Uh, and the same would go uh, vice versa if we were learning Korean. So uh, I, I think it's like more so than anything, a, a really nice uh, gesture. And also like, you know, Korean would be useful for Goose or for me. If, if we plan on staying in uh, esports, it's it's yeah. definitely a very useful language, right? Yeah, definitely. No way. Esports, <laughs> esports, uh, South Korea centric confirmed here. Tactical Crouch first time. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we get all of our notes. I don't know. Yiska, what have we missed? Are there any hard hitting questions um, we missed? I mean, okay. There, there's, of course you, you already said that there's a DPS player coming. Mm -hmm. Um, as the roster looks right now, maybe I'm, I'm a little prejudiced there, but it feels like there's a clear starter in every position and then there's a clear bench player. Um, for Mirror specifically, he wasn't is exactly seen as like one of the outstanding players and uh, contenders. I would say mm. certainly not a bad player and ha has made it through the ranks. Ha has also probably been in contenders NA for a while. Um, I guess there was also the connection to your former um, Legion head coach mate there. Um, what what is the deal with uh, mirror? Because, I mean, if if I'm trying to pick a championship winning roster, mm. he's not maybe not my first pick fr from contenders in A, right? Hmm. Uh, I am, I I'm very confident in mirror. To be totally honest, like he shows things that I don't see from other flex DPSs. I think flex DPS is almost the hardest position to find. Uh, right? Sure. Like, how many profits are there in the league? There's one. Like, truly and honestly, yeah. like how many ultra flexes are there in the league? It's just profit, right? Like, uh, mm. he's a rarity. And uh, I think when it comes to DPS, I'm looking for specific things. Like, I think uh, proactivity is really, really important in Overwatch. And I felt like we had very, uh, like, not like on, on the spectrum of things, like very average communicator DPSs in the past. Uh, and I think that the plays they made were always very safe. Uh, like, they were always very, like, team-based and safe, uh, which I think is good. Team-based and safe is good, but there are some times where your DPS needs to be able to call the game and command the game from his perspective. And you've been seeing this more and more when it's a Doom meta, when it's a Reaper meta. Like, the Sigma and Arissa are just shooting at each other's shield until an initiation happens, more or less, right? Like, uh, someone's got to pull the go trigger, and then Goats too. It was, someone had to pull the go trigger, and it's not always, it shouldn't always be the Rhine. Uh, uh, unless you're going for like an AOE clump sling or something like that, and you see a good clump or you're playing at a choke, it's not always the Rhine. It's sometimes your Zen, it's sometimes your uh, DPS. And 
uh, I think Mira finds very good opportunities uh, is the best way to describe it. And sometimes he'll flub. I'll be completely honest. I saw that a lot in the tryouts where sometimes he's just feeding his ass off. But there are other times where he, like the decision making up until that point was mm -hmm. correct. Like he just flubbed it mechanically or like misplayed it slightly. Those things can be improved on. But the decision making towards that uh, is something hard to change. Like, uh, just going back to a, a player that I worked with before, Hydration. Uh, mm -hmm. Hydration was like, uh, at the beginning of season one, Al, he was like basically a mute player. Uh, and we, like me and Tim, like really like working with Hydration. Like he's someone that we felt like we could, we could teach and he'll always try to apply it slowly, fast. It depends on the topic, but he always tries to apply it. And I think he does a really good job of that. But we fundamentally, like as a player, he was not going to be one of the like more aggressive players. Even throughout two years, like we've been coaching a really like, hopefully, like what I think is a very proactive, aggressive style. Like, uh, but that's not where his personality lies, and I think that's fair, right? Like, and I, I try to make strategies like around that, right? Like, I want to put him on far. I want to put him on uh things that will make him successful, like May, like uh Junkrat, more like the defensive style uh, heroes, but uh. I think in Overwatch, we've been just seeing more and more proactivity that uh, Mirror really provides that. He he under like understands uh, that proactivity is going to win them, and he can command the team uh, when I think people, the DPS especially, expect tanks and support to kind of like move them around, uh, and mm. then they're the silent killers. I, I really hate that philosophy. A lot of hitscans have that, and I think it's closer to being true for hitscan, but... Uh, especially when it comes to the flex DPS, someone someone has to pull the trigger, and it, it can't always be the tank in the sport. Like they have such limited perspective on the game. Like that I saw last year that we were forcing things to happen because Roar would be the main caller, and that it wasn't always the best call. But Roar no, knew we needed to do something. We we can't just sit there, and we already lost pace. So uh, I think that's something like I'm really excited about Mirror about. I'm also excited about a third DPS that I can't talk about, but. Uh, He's kind of the opposite end of the spectrum. I mean, you where can. like <laughs> I can. I don't think I'm supposed to. Well, let's uh, define can. You're GM slash head coach. You're the boss now. Yeah. You decide. I don't think I should. But yeah, our, yeah. our uh, third DPS, he'll he'll give like good competition, I think. Uh, like okay. It's not like Mir is like a starter or anything. Like I really think for the DPS, especially, you're fighting for your role. Like, mm. uh, like that's where I view it the most like close, I guess. Uh, like just from a initial perspective but mm. yeah he, he is like a complete opposite of mirror but provides something really great as well he he's like someone who's really practiced i think he's like very methodical uh and it, it's really good on certain heroes like may like his may is really really good really top tier so uh i'm i'm like really happy with the the mix of players that we have and i'm really confident in like pretty much all our players i think people who say like our dps are downgraded from the year before like it is really hard to get much better than sure and decay i will say yeah. like uh those guys are really really good but i think that uh like this dps line is better in different perspectives certainly like uh it, it will be really meta to meta but i think this dps line is is just as good if not better uh than than the years before interesting yiska's <laughs> reaction to that yiska doesn't believe it he needs names. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, it's it as you said. It's it's really hard to do that. Like for me, for me, for instance, I absolutely believe that out of any player that ever played on on your team, Birdring has the highest peaks. I also think Birdring has the highest peaks. Some of the highest peaks in Overwatch history. Yeah. The problem is that 
this is this has been a player that a was pretty inconsistent especially also even in their championship run and then thankfully it worked out in their uh, playoff uh, situation but also his values are really deep like they were as i said they were definitely like you had to play ahead of him for some, some time right so i'll that of course there have there could be very real reasons within team environment that tr cause these things and you uh -huh. can solve them right that is very possible um and it's also not necessarily bad to have a player that has high peaks and low mm -hmm. bellies because you just sub him out when he when he's not on right that's and then you hope that it that he's on in the playoffs and then you win the league right like yeah. that's, that's 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 something that you've been very high on in terms and, and correct me if i'm wrong or if i'm speaking out of school here but for for yiska i have always kind of heard it reiterated that you know sometimes it's not the best team that wins the league it's just who's peaking at the right time and and, and is it is negative connotated as this might sound sometimes those gamble players aren't necessarily bad because you're going to hit snake eyes sometimes and just win yeah. Was that the London Spitfire last year? Probably not, but there, there's an element of that, right? And it's not necessarily a bad thing if you plan for it, right? And it sounds like uh, Gladiators have, if that's even the case. The best thing you can have is just like two rock solid guys, and then you have two guys that just got, go like yeah. through peaks and valleys. And at best, you can tell when they are doing that, right? Like when you when you feel okay, this is a phase. He's that just would like, be an interesting less effort. Question. He's burned out. Something like this, right? Deepay, would that, that you would be, be able to tell when your players are peaking? Could is that something you could you could kind of parse through in terms of you know footage of of scrims and practice? Like, could you could you accurately tell me like okay, like I, I'm looking at the stars and the scrims are telling me that on this day next week, Surefire will be palm reader. At, you weirdo. Hey, I'm just saying. <laughs> I don't know what goes into this. Jesus, what maybe kind of there's some astrological nonsense. I'm just, I'm just all of our credibility there. for this show. Every, that question just gone. <laughs> I think. Uh, I mean, I do think variance does exist, right? Uh, mm -hmm. I guess I tend to believe it a little bit less. Like I know, uh, like for example, Birdring does have like high variance in performance, and that's from the outside looking in. But sure. Uh, from the inside, like he could be a very consistent performer. I think, like, mm. Surefour, I think, was a very consistent performer, but from the outside looking in, people felt like he wasn't consistently performing. Like, I, I do truly believe he, like, pretty much always played about the same. But okay. the thing I can tell, like, gameplay aside, like, Widow is really hard to tell, right? Like, you just click one more head than before, and then you're, you're mm. popping off, right? Like, sure. you, you get a string of headshots, and then you're popping off, and it looks like that. Uh, for Reaper and stuff, it's a lot of decision making and, and things like that. So mm. I, I don't believe in variance as much when it comes to those team based heroes. When it's Hanzo, Widow, Cree, I do believe that there is like, I'm feeling hot. Like I got mm -hmm. the hot hand type of thing. Uh, but I think from the mental standpoint, you really can't tell when a player is uh, mentally deteriorating. Like I can see it. Is it worth subbing that player out is the question. Like yeah. uh, even if they're in a valley, like how low is that valley? Or are, are we talking here? Like they could pick it up literally the next day and it's like back to average because uh, there is variance, but you notice, you do notice a trend, but okay. it is like the stock market, like the human emotions are not, you know, like, <laughs> they're not robots they're humans. No. Like any day could be up or down. Uh, but I think you can notice a general trend, especially if the team environments like, slowly degrading you can see people's mental go slowly mm. down like in a bunch of small things and uh okay. sometimes there's nothing to do about it uh to be totally honest but 
it is theoretically something that you you could do well I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to you guys because like trying your hand at Budrick's career because i think the trajectory of it was not great uh, in in the last season True. um especially what you're saying about the importance of a dps player um being vocal i mean this will be a challenge for him certainly <laughs> even more so because the rumors were that uh he wasn't communicating much at all on on Spitfire, and that was one of the reasons why he was eventually uh, subbed out in in the last playoff matches. Um, and then, uh, of course, now on the other hand, you saying that he has a very good Reaper, and him then not playing Reaper and Prophet Doom also tells a story. Whoever wants to interpret that, um, but yeah, it it will be very interesting because certainly, like a top tier birdring is something that the league would want or definitely also needs. And um, I think also technically just like high skilled players because of the uncertainty, also because of another thing I want to get to is um, it will be so important just like either by complete mechanical dominance overcoming the player or just by being very quick to make, uh, to think very, very much on your feet, right? Mm -hmm. So like that, I, I will even go as far as to say we will see a very different player profile theoretically. Now, mm -hmm. think of it this way: like we we know, or like from that player call um, last year, we know that they are aiming to have a uh, a patch. Now we don't know how significant it will be, but we will see uh, every six to eight weeks. That will also mean start starting January. That would also mean we're probably going to have one more patch before the Overwatch League starts. It doesn't seem like we will ever reach the refinement of uh, a meta like GOATS again. Mm -hmm. Then it also is the question, are, are there player profiles? Or would you say there is a concept such as some players are very good at grinding and becoming very good at these specializers, something like that? Special, special uh, meta things where they just go so deep into their role. And then some players are very good at just pick up games and basically new meta. I'm super skilled. I'm super good at uh, thinking on the fly. We'll just make up a counter to that um, that composition we were not expecting. Like for instance, someone who uh, who was said to be very good at that was Jack. Say for instance, like mm -hmm. is is uh, do you think these player profiles will become pronounced over the next season? Yeah, definitely. I think the players who can think on the fly will be rewarded heavily uh, just because I think you're going to learn a lot during the match and then you're going to have to make adjustments during the match, let alone uh, just every single day in practice you're, you're practicing. So uh, I, I do think we actually had a lot of those really good players from last year. It's hard for me to tell, like, how are the players adapting? I can see them in like past metas in the tryouts. Like we constructed past metas where like play double sniper here, play mm -hmm. Tracer Genji here. We, we like know... Uh, roughly uh like what people think about the metas but i think that's why fundamentals are so going to be so important from a coaching perspective as well uh to make sure that like this is how we play the game like no matter what in each meta we're going to play the game like fundamentally this way this is how we're going to communicate this is how we're going to approach each team fight from a really structural standpoint so i think players will be really rewarded for uh like understanding the game more and i think Based on what I saw in tryouts, like I think these people have a high understanding, like a higher level understanding of the game. Mm. Uh, Goose is someone who has a really good higher uh, level understanding uh, of the game, and uh, 
I think we'll be good on that department because I think the gladiators have always adapted to metas really well. Mm -hmm. Uh, but we haven't done a good job of perfecting metas. And I will say that's like a fault of, of my own, right? Like, I think we understand the game like fundamentally, but getting into the nooks and crannies of it, like I, I'm not exactly sure what to coach at certain points because it seems so minute. It seems so specific that the generalities start going away and it's like really player specific. It's like, we're talking like half a second difference of a bubble timing is a huge. We're talking like, mm. uh, you deciding at like this moment to rush versus that moment to rush. I think it goes more in towards individual skill, uh, but it's also weakness of mind and coaching. But I think uh, a strength of mind strategically has been like understanding the game more fundamentally. And that's why mm -hmm. we've always been able to adjust to meta shifts like fairly quickly and figure out the meta so to say mm -hmm. and kind of a calling card for you has been these these very I, I, I wouldn't say intricate at all times but like very you know interesting and intricate set plays that you mm -hmm. know you kind of lean into with the meta is that something you're we can hopefully be seeing more of in 2020 or is that something less with how much practice that uh, may or may not be happening i think set plays might happen less cheese okay. cheese comps are like cheesy cheesy ways to approach more cheese things. uh might might happen just across the board maybe Gladiators, uh, we, we were talking about it as me. a staff. Yeah, we're not exactly <laughs> sure. I think you need a balance. You need a balance. Of course, of course. Really of course. You don't want to be Chengdu, but no. uh, being Shock is also really, really hard. And they, they even like mm. you know had some set plays and stuff in the finals sure. as well. So I, I do have a couple of just like rapid fire questions for you before we wrap up. Cool. And then I crush you in TFT. Uh, cool. <laughs> Uh, so first and foremost, uh, just kind of eyeballing the the rest of the league. Uh, which team do you think has had the best overall off season so far? Uh, Shock kept everyone, right? So goal number one, I think Shock's got to be the best. Um, yeah. I think uh, Dallas made some really interesting moves. Uh, I don't know if they're like. I don't know if it'll make them better, but they they definitely headed in a direction, right? They're they're looking yep. towards more full Korean, essentially, and like uh, I don't know what's going on with their contracts and stuff like that, but it's definitely a dichotomy from being like a really fan catering team. I feel like they were in the past, mm -hmm. and now they're like trying to become really competitive. And the easiest answer, if you don't know how to become competitive, like the easiest answer is go full Korean. Uh, truly and honestly, like the talent pools there, like you can kind of just pull in a Korean contenders team, and you're good. Uh, I think, uh, let me take a list, look of lists of teams. I think people are underrating Spark because they didn't change anything either. I think no changes is sometimes better. Uh, mm -hmm. Like Spark, I think was, I, I always respected Spark. They looked like a team that was like coached really well. And like, I think individually all their players were like quite good. I think they had like a couple weak points, but overall I thought they were always very good. Uh, I think this season they might not do as well because I don't think they react uh very well they're like a very constructed team so they mm. they won't do as well but i i still think that they're a really good uh uh team nonetheless i'm trying to think of teams it's like actually kind of hard well washington yeah, yeah, shanghai really shanghai is nuts shanghai yeah. i think it's gonna be you think so yeah i i uh, like people don't give void enough credit Vo void is fucking insane like the guy's mm. an absolute nut uh i think people think oh he's like only whatever uh like He's he's not better than Mecca. He's not better. Yeah, I think he's like uh, one of the top off tanks in, for sure. Uh, and then they added Fleta. Like Ding's good, but Ding is only good if the meta allows for Farah. Uh, like he's Farah and then Sombra two trick, right? Like and mm -hmm. then Sombra's good, but 
from an aim perspective, not like the best. He's smart about Sombra. He's he's a smart player for sure. Uh, but his hero pool is narrower. Uh, I actually think his Hanzo is quite good, but uh, he like actually doesn't have to carry the team as much. Uh, whereas they played literally around Ding. I feel like uh, in the stage three, in like all the metas, they you they played around the far really really well, like the best of any team. And then I also think Como was a weak point on that team. Uh, from a mechanical standpoint, I don't know what he brings to the team. Like, I know he's a player that people like playing with, uh, but from a mechanical standpoint, I think Lee Jae-gong uh, is really good there. And then they added Fleta, who I still think is, like, a really, really good player. So, uh, and stand one uh, from Legion, like, I, I know he's a really good uh, main tank player. He he's got a lot of developing to do, but he's very flexible, I will say. Like, I think Moon said it as well. OG said it. I, I thought it as well. Like, uh, he doesn't have a style yet, but I think that's fine because you can mold him. Uh, he like he's not like super aggressive like Fissure. He's not super passive, uh, but he'll do whatever is best for the meta. So it'll be really interesting if if he can develop. But I I think if he works really hard, uh, he'll be very very good. So uh, I think Shanghai will be very good next season for sure. Trash talk time. What about the other LA team? How do you value their? I don't. I just don't know any of their players to be <laughs> honest like uh, it's the equivalent of who <laughs> uh, oh we got yeah. rid of that academy team i get it yeah <laughs> um i mean i like the the guys the coaching staff they're all really nice uh like i like mcgravy i like ksf uh apply apply is someone who's really good uh i heard dreamer was insane i heard lastro was good too like lastro is someone who i think was was like a hidden gem uh mm. i think I mean, I don't think they'll do great. I don't think they'll do that bad, but the overall league has gotten so so high that like they have to be towards the bottom just because everyone else is really sure. but uh yeah, they they're probably not great uh is the answer, but they're not going for great. They're going for like financially stable, right? Like they explicitly said that. So uh but I mean, Packing's a really good coach, so I'm sure if, if there's anyone who can pull together a team, I think it's Packing. So Go ahead. Battle for A, LA. Cha-ching. Easy one. <laughs> yeah, does there not have to be like All a right. qualifying tournament within LA to have the battle of the, you know, the SoCal yeah, and NorCal type of you thing? Yeah. I think, yeah. I think you Berkeley, beat to... Yeah, I think Berkeley has a college team, so you can at least have a, <laughs> a nice, a nice fair. Okay. If, if Benchmob had it his way, that might be a thing, you know? Florida uh, might just be out of the league. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. So keep keeping on. No, I can't. I can't ask that. Yes, come on. I can't do it. I can't paste it. 80% of it is because I forgot. 20% of it is because I don't want to make it sound like I forgot on the show because we're live. So thanks. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I have, I have no, yes, you probably have another question, right? Um, well, I remember it's, what this one was. Uh, you sure don't. You will see. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try. <laughs> I mean, remember. do you have a question? Because I could, I could, I could ask him about something. All okay, right, sure. Joe, get it. I, what do you like? Crunchy peanut butter or no, smooth yeah, peanut but, butter? Jeez, <laughs> sell me short. Do you like one person that what? you've worked with that I don't know too terribly much about is John Galt. Mm -hmm. When we're talking about other teams that have you know improved, you know gone up or down, whatever. 
Could you talk a little bit about what John Galt does well and what, you know, maybe Washington could look like, how that coaching uh, style might be? What could we expect from Justice? Because I'm, you know, I don't know too terribly much about him. He's not very, you know, forward facing, at least just yet. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe that'll change with the season start. But um, could you talk a little bit about, you know, your time with him, what he does well, maybe what he could improve on? You know, what could we expect with Justice? Yeah, I actually have a a ton of respect for John. on the list of teams that I think will do like pretty well, I think Justice is a team that that has the potential to do really well. I I okay. think Roar is a really good player. I heard Tuba was kind of insane. Uh, if you can get all the personalities to to match up, I think it's it's good. I think it'll be a hard job, but uh, I mean, John was like uh, someone who I talked to a lot about head coaching as well because I knew mm. his kind of like greater desire was head coaching. So sure. uh, I talked to him a lot, and he he helped me a lot. I would say too. Uh, so we had just like a lot of deep, like philosophical conversations about what it means to be a head coach, what si- mm. type of uh, head coaching style. I think he's going to be much closer to like the drill sergeant type of guy, like the the hard ass type of guy. Uh, and I think like no matter what, like he's a really smart guy, like really smart mm. guy, like probably 1600 on his SAT type of guy. Like, uh, <laughs> like I'm, I'm not even joking. I think, I, think I, think he literally, I think he literally got a 1600 on his SAT or something like that. <laughs> sure, uh, sure. He's a smart guy. I think no matter what, he'll figure it out. I think okay. uh, he he's like going to be a tough but fair coach. Uh, is kind of hmm. where I would put it. Uh, is my kind guess. of a straight shooter? Like he's no going to be a straight coding. shooter. Yeah, okay. straight shooter, no sugarcoating type of guy. I think as an assistant coach, he learned how to sugarcoat. Uh, uh-huh. Like it, it's you have to like learn how to explain things to different players, right? Different hmm. players, you're like. Okay, like how much advice am I giving them? Do I give them too much, too little? Like, how do I phrase it? Do I use reverse psychology? Like, uh, like some players are really stubborn, really harder to coach. You have to be creative. Like, I think sure. he's going to be much more a straight shooter as a head coach, and I think I think that's going to be really good. Like, uh, we talked about like holding players accountable. We talked about all these things, things that I think like he basically learned from all my mistakes, and I make a ton of them every single year, every single day. Like, I make a ton of mistakes, and uh. He got to learn like without having to burn his hand, if that makes sense. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think training be, wheels almost. Yeah, I think it'll be really good. Uh, I have a lot of confidence in, in John as a person, okay. and uh, he's he's a he's a smart guy who like even if he doesn't get it immediately, he'll he'll get it later, like for sure. He's he's someone who who can learn. Like uh, I think his initial like strategic knowledge into Overwatch wasn't as high as like uh, say tim's or mine at the start of uh, overwatch league season two but by the end i thought he was like really really good really understood the game so he's someone who can grind too uh so uh he he'll do a really good job on justice and i think justice have like a pretty good roster as well interesting he also has some very big shoes to fill at justice <laughs> yeah <laughs> what was justice's yeah. final record like was it even that bad yeah. uh eight yeah. and 20 eight and 20 <laughs> eight and 20 that, that was less bad than head. I thought. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like I, I guess it was because they popped off stage four, right? They were like yes. one in twenty probably yeah. before, and then they went like seven. Yeah, and yeah, they got five of those like in one stage. Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, no more goats, so they'll be good. <laughs> All right, big talk here. Um, season three rolls around, and they're like, "Hey, all right, Dpay, you can ban one hero from existing in Overwatch." Who do you ban? What what hero do you ban? I like all the heroes in Overwatch. (laughs) Uh, I I think all of them have a healthy balance in the game. Like, I know people, like, I see a Reddit post every time, like, the game's fundamentally broken. Like, 
uh like why can a hero one shot and it like maybe doomfist is like a little bit weird or something like that but people were saying this about hog in mm-hmm. season one and yeah. season two Sombra uh, was like, bring back a hog hook 1.0 by the way I think you just end up with a more creative game. Like, I think the game is like getting more and more complex and I think it's really cool to watch. I think people who want to watch FPSs are not happy with this game. And I understand like Tracer and Widow are very exciting for the game. Like that was probably like a, a, a hard thing to spectate, but also also from a spectator standpoint, like really good to watch from a coaching or like just why I like games. I like it for more fundamental, like strategic reasons. So like sure. I wouldn't change anything like, uh, like at least hero wise, I I think each hero has like a unique feel to it. Uh, maybe like the hit scans are like the least unique, like McCree, Ash, like Widow. If you got rid of one of those, I wouldn't mind it. Like I think Ash does provide something different from Widow and McCree, but uh, it's hard to tell right now. Uh, mm-hmm. just because she's she's so bad in the current meta. But I think all the heroes, like I, I actually like Blizzard's like design direction, uh, which here's, is maybe controversial. <laughs> here's the thing, though: someone from your very own staff, Curry Shot, is in the chat right now and says Arisa. I like the direction with the new Arisa that she's not just like she pops down E and just sits there. She like has to be she's more a little tactical. bit more dynamic. Yeah, she's more dynamic. She moves like I don't know if they changed it back, but she moves a little bit faster. I'm fine if they don't change that. She moves a little faster, but she like has a 600 HP shield, which is less than a Winston bubble. Yep. So it's, it's very shield breakable. Like you can have comps that do it, but she, she'll have a niche. Uh, and I think her halt is actually like, it, it might be broken, like in terms of like, it's a really good ability, but I think it's a cool ability that doesn't exist. Like it exists in other games. It's like, but it's it like in overwatch and an FPS game, it's actually really cool. But uh, she has, she has like a lot of unique, mechanics that i think are are cool uh i i don't know if, if someone had to be taken out of the game i guess arissa but uh, <laughs> wow yeah all right there we go getting getting to it i do agree she's like the way, least way one but I, I like staff. the direction they're like doing it, it. I yeah it. okay mm. yeah I got you, Curry. I got you. I'm painting your jersey. I'm doing this stuff. Yeah, come on. Ship it over. What am I supposed to do with this? It's almost purple. Like we just changed the saturation on the camera. One hundred dollar jersey. This one hundred dollar. Curry, you gotta. You, oh, well, I'll ask him later. Oh, I don't know why I'm talking to him. Like I can see. Him <laughs> <laughs> I, I can re- I can relay messages via this chat. Uh, all right. I think I do think that we're about at that time. I think we gotta think get out of here. Point. It's uh man, this is a great this is a fun episode, super insightful as always. And um, you know, not not without the memes. So uh, I do appreciate it. Zpay, before we get out of here, every time I have someone coming on who's representing an Overwatch League team, I I, I, I wanna hear you've got a bunch of fans and you've uh the LA Gladiators fans, I think, are among the best in the league. Just kind of when you look at the different franchises, you know, they're not toxic that they've done you know that they've (laughs) i don't look at la gladiators fans i think oh man those toxic la gladiators fans valiant fans sure but not gladiators fans so (laughs) throw them under the bus (laughs) i'm just kidding man Uh, i was trying to get packing for next week come on man (laughs) (laughs) that's right mike's out oh no here we go come on and defend it uh but for la gladiators fans who are you know kind of gearing up for season three do you have any specific anything specific you'd like to say to them words mm-hmm. of hope and wisdom 
and DPay leadership before we sign off? I know we had like a lot of changes. I think our team looks very different from the past years, but I think we're still gonna we're, we're gonna be a really fun team to watch. And I think our 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 real fans have been like really patient with us and really understanding with us. And uh, I I think you're right that we have like the best fans in the league for sure. Like uh, I, every time I go through a match start, it's like uh, very supportive comments. I feel like, and I feel like we're we're one of the nicest fans, or we have one of the nicest fan bases. So uh, hopefully the the real fans stayed. You know, if you bandwagon onto other teams, it's cool. But I think Gladiators next year will be really fun to watch. So hopefully, you know, we can we can make you guys proud. And without knowing our power rankings, do you think that we're going to over rank you or under rank you this year? Probably over rank us. <laughs> All right. Yeah, fair. Uh -huh. <laughs> fair enough. We'll see. Um, other than that, Deepay, a uh, shout out. Any like shout outs you want to give and uh, where can people find you online and things you've got going on? Uh, Deepay underscore OW for Twitter. I don't do content and stuff, so <laughs> I don't have anything. Uh, stream TFT. Yeah. You're welcome. Stream TFT. Yeah, people have told me to do that. I don't want to. I'm, I'm a nervous streamer, I feel like. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Awesome. Uh, all right, cool. Well, uh, let's get out of here for ourselves then. Uh, before we do, though, I think we've got uh, some some new patrons here. Joe? Yeah. Joe, yes, can, I, can I do the Patreon? All right, you, you, can, you because can be I know my this guest. Guy. Be, be my guest. So the, uh, this guy are you sure is you know one of this those person? Are you yes. sure? <laughs> His name <laughs> is Walshin, and that's one of those guys. You know, when whenever the Overwatch scene looks bleak, you you've uh, tweeted another tweet into the ether, and you're expecting like to be eaten alive. But this is one of those guys that always has a like that just like you just recognize it. I think he also has like you know the the little uh, anime avatar from the from the thingy. So I definitely recognize his name. And uh, mm, okay. thanks for becoming a Patreon. Yes, big thank you. And uh, five star reviews. So Joe. I have to get this correct because there there's also a spelling um, correction and I have to, you know, make sure I read this. Thank you. Big thank yous to slightly disappointed. Yes, apparently that is his, that is their name. Disappointed um, in Alpha Kenny body 69, you know. Thanks for uh, turning up with your. your... <laughs> I didn't put that. Yes, Thanks, Alpha Kenny. I got him again, guys. Alpha Thanks, Alpha Kenny Body 69. Alpha Big thank Kenny you. Body 69 is not a name. Hey, I've been and waiting for these people to actually come up with some amazing names. So I, I want some names so like this. These are you, great. Yiska, about, I don't even care. This about, is fantastic. This is content. About 60% oh, of Yiska's effort into this show is trolling Joe is trolling in our show notes. <laughs> so normally it used to be if you scrolled over to the right, there'd be like a yeah. big ass. Just a penis. giant. Yeah. Or a, a link to like a debated link or whatever. <laughs> I've got receipts, bud. <laughs> I've got, I got them again. So, uh, that yeah. Was big, good. That was good. Uh, I like that. Big thank you. If you like the show, patreon.com slash tactical crouch. If you're like, hey, I it's the holidays. I can't support you financially. Go to go to iTunes and uh, leave a five star iTunes review. It means the world to us. It helps us get ranked higher. When people search for competitive Overwatch or Overwatch podcast, uh, they'll find us easier. So we really do appreciate you for doing that. And of course, follow us on Twitter at tactical underscore crouch. Join our Discord, discord.me slash yiska out is where all the crouchers hang. So make sure to go 
and do that. As for me, you can find me everywhere at Kick Tripod, uh, Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, everything else. Yiska, you can find at Yiska Out. Joe, you can find at Volamel. And uh, that's going to do it for us. For this week, we're going to be back with a quick post show after this. Maybe we can talk deep pain, playing some TP. We'll see. Uh, TFT, we'll be right back. Bye. Come, come, come.